It's an unprecedented morning in America. The FBI has raided the home of a former president. A shocking, shocking turn of events. And of course, our politicians are all weighing in on it. It's Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm Chris Quinn. I'm here with Lisa Garvin, Courtney Astolfi, and Layla Tassi. And I got to tell you, I was stunned by the number of people on both sides of the political spectrum that weighed in with judgment on the raid. Because we have no idea what they found. We have no idea what the evidence was to get the warrant. And yet Max Miller was immediately saying this is a persecution. And Tim Ryan was almost exultant, like it's going to help his his race. What is wrong with these people? Whatever happened to waiting for the facts? Were you guys not surprised by this? Not not no. surprised that they're <laughs> that they're not waiting for the facts. <laughs> Have you been paying attention to to, to any of these guys? But this, but this is this is a huge moment. We've not seen this before. The FBI believes it has evidence that a sitting president committed a crime. It involves the records that he may have taken from office. Yeah. If if that's true. That is nothing for the Democrats to celebrate. That is a disgrace for the nation. And if it's not true, it is an unfair persecution. You know, I'm reminded of the Cliff Rosenberger case. His house got raided. It destroyed his political career. And I believe the statute of limitations has expired. So he will never be charged. We'll never know what they thought they had, but they didn't have enough to charge him. So we don't know what's happening here. It's, it's a shock that FBI agents raided his house. That's the news. But for people to be making judgments, saying it's an unfair persecution, can you imagine being the judge signing that warrant? I mean, you, you will go down in infamy now. You have signed a search warrant for the former president's <laughs> compound. No judge has done that before, I don't believe. So this is a big, big deal. It's shameful the way the politicians are politicizing it. I know. I know. But Trump yeah. clearly broke the law by taking those 15 boxes to Mar-a-Lago. I mean, that's a clear violation of federal law, although this, most of them were, you know, taken back. But still, you know, yeah. it's obvious laws have been broken here. He turned. But he, but if he. Right. I, I, I guess we just don't know. You know, after Larry Householder was raided, we got the search warrant affidavit that laid out the case against Larry Householder, which was astounding. I mean, it was bribery all over the place. We don't know. And 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 really. I just if I were a Democratic candidate, I would not be going whoopee about this. This is as bad a, a step for the nation as you can have. If a president broke the law the way he he may have, that's that's a stain on the history of this country. So I, I think it's shameful the way both sides. I mean, I'm not surprised Max Miller. He's a Trump acolyte that still says the election was stolen. These guys, I mean, they're just marching down the path of fascism. But this is a big moment, and it, it it should have brought with it a moment of of quietude and grace while we wait to see. I hope the FBI comes out with what its evidence is, because to leave this hanging there is unfair to the former president. It's unfair to the Americans, and it's unfair to voters who have to go to the polls in November. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> Let's get started. <laughs> With some prosecutors in Ohio vowing not to prosecute abortion crimes, what are abortion rights advocates doing to make it less risky for women to get abortions once the Ohio legislators inevitably approve an outright ban on the procedure? Layla Laura Hancock wrote a multidimensional story about the tactics they're taking for the future. 
Yeah, well, you know, so we have these these laws pending in, in the Ohio General Assembly that could make inducing an abortion a fourth-degree felony. And then there's this Texas-style bill that, that would allow people to sue in civil court uh, for anyone who performs or, or abets an abortion. So, so some reproductive rights advocates are seeking to create some peace of mind and assurance that some Ohio jurisdictions would be safe havens from prosecution and that women and, and anyone who helps them get an abortion would be granted a degree of protection from these oppressive state laws. And to do that, they're planning a pressure campaign in the state's more liberal communities. They are starting with Franklin County prosecuting attorney Gary Tyak, a Democrat who's been silent on the matter of abortion prosecution, despite his colleagues in some other Ohio cities saying that they have too many other crimes to worry about and, and they view abortion restrictions as unjust so that they're not going to prosecute them. And the advocates are, are calling Tyak's office. They plan protests. If he doesn't respond, they, they may push for his resignation or his ouster at the polls. If, if they succeed in central Ohio, the groups hope that their playbook can be used in other communities like Dayton and Toledo. These advocates and activists want solidarity out of their Democrats in office on the issue of re reproductive rights. And, and they just don't understand why they're not getting it specifically out of Gary Tyak. And it sounds like they're willing to go to extreme lengths to make him very, very uncomfortable until he feels that pressure, even if even perhaps showing up at his church to protest his silence on this issue. They're, they're raising funds to bail themselves out of jail during this campaign, if need be. And, and that should foreshadow how serious they are about this about this work. But Layla, we've talked about bef this before. The idea that abortion clinics would exist in these areas where prosecutors say it is preposterous. No, no medical professional is going to hang out a shingle that says I do abortions in a state where it's illegal, because even if the local prosecutor doesn't prosecute it, it doesn't mean that the attorney general won't figure out a way to do it or somebody won't do it. So I'm not quite sure what what the game plan here is. Is I is this if if doctors are doing underground abortions and get caught, they want the the prosecutors to say, yeah, I won't prosecute that either. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time seeing how people will get abortions back in the 60s. They were pretty much illegal everywhere. Now you can go to an adjoining state to get one. And that seems like the much more likely vehicle, right? Yeah, yeah, right, right. And I, I, I think this is just really about getting him to to stand in solidarity with with the others who have made this commitment. Um, and I, I just I, we've talked about this before. I don't I agree with you. I just I don't see how uh, we we, you know, in the in once we see a blanket ban on abortions, I don't see how abortion can continue to be performed in the state of Ohio uh, secretly. Um, I, I just don't think that that any um, provider would do that uh, because of, you know, you have to source all of the, you know, you have to continue to, pro I mean, how, how could how could you continue to do that? That there's such a liability, uh, not only for your, your medical license, but, um, you know, for for all sorts of reasons. So I just, right. I, yeah, I just don't think that that is, you know, responsible, so but also reasonable. So practically speaking, this this doesn't mean anything for Mike O'Malley and other prosecutors to say, I won't prosecute it. it. It's a moral stand. It's it's making a statement. It's standing on principle. But pragmatically, 
how, how often will a prosecutor be asked to make that decision in a state where it's outright banned and where all the efforts are being made to, to create a pipeline to other states to help women get to other states where it is legal? I don't know. It's, a, it, 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 it's an interesting battle, but it seems like it almost seems like wasted energy, because if you want to change the, the face of abortion in Ohio, get an amendment on the ballot, right. get a constitutional amendment on the ballot. Ohio will pass that. And it seems like they're just not organized on the most pragmatic, effective way to overcome a legislature that is doing something that violates the will of the people. Anyway, interesting story by Laura Hancock. It's on Cleveland.com. And this is Today in Ohio. Who is the likely Republican presidential candidate in 2024 who will be visiting Ohio later this month to stump for J.D. Vance, the Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate? Lisa, I expect this will be the first of many visits. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah, Florida (laughs) governor. (laughs) Oh, gosh, it's exactly the way I feel. Here we go. Yeah, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, I mean, Ron DeSantis, <laughs> is stumping for J.D. Vance next Friday, the 19th in Youngstown. That's in Tim Ryan's congressional district, by the way. This uh, event is sponsored by Turning Point Action, which is a pro-Trump advocacy group that's focused on getting younger voters. So this series of rallies is called Unite and Win, and these are, for, are all for pro-Trump candidates. DeSantis will also go to Arizona and New Mexico on this little stumping tour. Um, So yeah, it seems like there's a little bit of concern in this U.S. Senate race between Vance and Ryan. Uh, A nonprofit group with ties to Senator Mitch McConnell has been airing Ryan attack ads in the district or will be airing them. And they're spending about $4 million on radio and TV. Um, The district that we're talking about, the Youngstown area, does currently favor J.D. Vance. Also, potential presidential hopeful Mike Pence has been in Ohio twice. He was here in June with Mike DeWine at an oil and gas arranged event. And then Donald Trump has been here twice, uh, including in April, stumping for J.D. Vance right before the May primary. So it seems like this U.S. Senate race is drawing a lot of national attention. Well, you know, the problem here is is that J.D. Vance is just so unlikable. I mean, he's not a guy that anybody wants to sit down and have a drink with. He's also changed his positions repeatedly. And he doesn't seem like he really likes Ohio. He's spending no time here. I guess my question is, are they going to bring in somebody likable to stump for him? I mean, all the people you mentioned are really not people you want to sit down and have a beer with. Who are they going to bring here to stump for him that might appeal to centrist voters? Ryan is making a very smart play for people in the middle. He's he's actually distanced himself a bit from Biden and some of the progressive mm-hmm. ideas the president's had. Mm-hmm. Hasn't appeared with Biden when he showed up in Ohio. And what J.D. Vance is doing is trying to lock up the fringiest of fringe. That's not going to win the race. You got to you got to get the people that Ryan has been targeting. Who's going to come and help him do that? Marjorie Taylor Greene. Is that the next uh, one we'll see? Well, and I, I can't even think who would be who would who would it be? Mitt Romney? I mean, who's who's a centrist Republican that could you know help this race? I can't think of any off the top of my head. I mean, Ron DeSantis is not. I mean, God, it's just been so contrary. I've been glad I don't live in Florida anymore with the stuff he's been doing there. So I don't know how much this will help. It's interesting that DeSantis is coming in for a group that supports Trump because it's pretty clear that DeSantis will run against Trump if Trump runs again. Mm -hmm. So he's not really a a Trumpian Trumpist. Okay, moving on. It's today in Ohio. 
Speaking of J.D. Vance, finding differences between him and Democratic opponent Tim Ryan is not at all difficult. They are polar opposites. How's that playing out with the inflation and climate change bill that Joe Biden has been pushing through Congress? Lisa, coming back to you. Yeah, the $740 billion Inflation Reduction Act was passed in the Senate on Sunday and should pass the House as well. But yeah, among the things that were talked about in this bill and it's in the funding is a $7,500 tax credit for electric vehicles. And that seemed to be a flashpoint for Ryan in Vance. Tim Ryan says it will help promote the nascent electrical vehicle industry in Ohio. We do have the Lordstown plant. We've got a battery plant. So there are several you know, businesses that are looking forward to the electric vehicle future. Um, Vance, on the other hand, says it's subsidizing rich people at Ohio's expense. He pointed to a Bloomberg a report that said that Ford is anticipating 8,000 layoffs in uh, internal combustion engine manufacturing across the country. He says components for EVs are hard to source and, uh, you know, Ohio workers will be crushed by this, this tax credit. But, you know, Electrical vehicles are being focused on by Jobs Ohio. There was a bill in the House that passed in 2021 to create a sales tax exemption for electric vehicle parts, but that has not advanced in the Ohio Senate so far. So, yeah, this seems to be a, a flashpoint. It's weird that, he, that Vance is saying it's going to cost jobs in Ohio because we have a, a plant that's getting expanded in Northeast Ohio for electric vehicles. But this is a case where both of the candidates are right. We, we talked on our editorial board this week about how if you don't give inducements to electric vehicles, if you don't put in charging stations, you're not going to get that trend further along. But there were stories this week about how the only people that can afford electric vehicles right now are wealthy people, that it's really not something you're seeing become general. Ultimately, it will. Uh, so it's just dueling, dueling by two candidates on, on the same bill each taking a position that has some truth to it. And they also weighed in on the 15% minimum corporate tax rate. Ryan says, you know, it's a smart thing. Well, Vance, of course, said, you know, this actually would be a broad tax increase. It, it would be passed to the public as lower stock prices and lower wages. So there you have it. I, really, the Republicans are trying to attack this bill, but they're on real, very weak footing because it's actually, in most analyses, a very strong bill that finally will deal with climate change. And so it's been a big win for Joe Biden. It's today in Ohio. Why is Cleveland doubling the price it charges for ambulance runs? Courtney, ambulance runs are supposed to be part of the service, right? We're supposed to count on our government to get us to the hospital when we're hurt. Why are they doubling the price? Yeah, so according to the city, the, the base rates for ambulance runs, they were between $350 and $500, and now they're up to $750 to $1,300. So like you said, a significant increase there. But what the city found was that Cleveland was charging well below other Ohio cities, other cities similar to our size for years now. The old rates had been in place since around 2004, which the EMS union had, had kind of pointed to what in the heck else is the same cost that it was in 2004. It costs us more to fuel our vehicles, get medical supplies, medication. Our wages have gone up and our services that we do charge for hasn't even attempted to address 15, over 15 years of inflation. You know, 
the problem with this is the the whole idea of, oh, we haven't raised the price. Lisa is going to remember this. You, you, Layla and Courtney won't. There was a time when ambulances were paid for out of your taxes, that that, that was one of the government services that taxes covered. Mm-hmm. It's like police services and firefighting services and, and other things. You didn't pay extra for it because the, the belief was the government should get people who need care to the, 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 the care providers. Then about 20 years ago, municipalities said, aha, aha, we can soak insurance companies for the money or we can soak people for the money. And they put in these charges and they said, they're not they're not high charges. They're modest. And now they look at it as a huge revenue stream. This is what government taxes are supposed to pay for. What is the point of paying taxes to the government if it's not for this kind of service, this communal service? And I didn't see anybody mention that in the debate about the doubling of the prices that didn't come up right not that i've heard no but i i mean i think the thought is this is where the industry has moved cleveland has long charged you said it was about 20 years ago but potentially when this became a trend across the country it is what it is and i think they're um you know part of mayor bibb's intention coming into office is he's facing a budget gap the city's finances aren't stable long term. And I think the idea is to turn up every couch cushion and consider sources of revenue that the city's left untapped for the past 15 years. And and it appears that this is kind of part of that. The, the city does have a revenue problem, as you've talked about income taxes. Um, you know, we, we aren't as flush as we used to be 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And it seems like this is a, a, a tackling of of the revenue issue. This change is supposed to generate more than a million dollars per year. Insurers will largely pick up most of the tab before we weren't charging okay, but, high enough for the federal government. If insurers that, are picking oh, up the tab, yeah. you're picking up the tab because the insurance companies don't just give up their money. They put it into their rates. And so what this is, is another tax on residents to pay for the ambulances and what this is how is this different than charging you if the police have to come to your house you know if you're a victim of a crime charging you because you call the police or if the firefighters come to your house because your fire alarm goes off you know you get charged for that this was not the way government was set up government was set up to provide services and the bill was the taxes this is another cheesy way of the government getting more money from you without calling it a tax increase. But make no mistake, this will increase your cost because your insurance company will pass that cost on to you. But It's today in Ohio. Wait, wait. Oh, go ahead. Well, uh, I was going to point out that from uh, what I remember from during the time that I covered City Hall was also that there are quite a few people who use EMS as a way to get themselves to the hospital, right? Yes, thank you. Frequent flyers, they're called. Yeah, and so this is kind of a way to bridge that gap. I mean, there are a lot of EMS runs that are just because someone is like, normally they would get themselves to the hospital via their own transportation, and instead they don't have that, so they call an ambulance. And that happens so often and how how is a city supposed to keep up with that? Um, the, you know, this somehow somehow well, they have to recoup those you, costs. When you arrive, 
they can make an assessment that this person is not in emergency distress and doesn't need to be treated as an emergency. Ambulances were supposed to be emergency services. It, it's not supposed to be a transport because you have a doctor's appointment. And so the best way to deal with that is to not transport people who you deem not to be in emergency distress. I'm just pointing it out. It, it was said at the time, this was a new trend. They're all going to get more money. And the politicians will tell you this doesn't cost you anything. It costs the insurance companies. But that's ridiculous. As we know, we all know how much our insurance rates have gone up and every bit of I, it comes. I will tell you, the part decision. of the story that actually raised my antenna was where it says that they were dis- discussing whether charging a hundred fifty dollar fee for times when an ambulance is dispatched, but that the patient refuses transportation, whether that's appropriate, because sometimes, you know, like. Ambulance is dispatched to the scene of like every single fender bender mm-hmm. sometimes. And people are like, oh, no, thanks. I don't really need an ambulance. Are they going to be getting a $150, uh, you know, uh, bill in, a bill in the mail? Um, because, I mean, that happens all the time. Um, I'm just curious if that's, if that's, you know, something that they're going to be kicking around. Um, that was, that idea was recommended in a city study back in 2019 that they do start charging for that, Layla, uh, but the Bib administration opted not to go that route initially. They left the possibility open mm-hmm. that it could happen later, as you noted, but they, they chose not to pursue that with these rate changes. Okay, good discussion. You're listening to Today in Ohio. We talked yesterday about how Cleveland reported 11 monkeypox cases Friday. Monday it reported more. How many and who in Cleveland is eligible to get the vaccine from Cleveland, Layla? Okay. As of yesterday afternoon, Cleveland's Department of Health had announced that the city was up to 16 confirmed monkeypox cases, and health officials said contact tracing is underway. There's a limited number of doses of this vaccine for monkeypoxes. Uh, monkey, I'm sorry, for monkeypox. Um, they're being allotted to Northeast Ohio uh, to combat the outbreak. The Cleveland Health Department is teaming up with Cuyahoga County Board of Health to distribute them. The vaccine is free. It's given in two doses, four weeks apart, but it's only effective when it's administered before or recently after an exposure. Once the symptoms develop, you're, it's, it's pretty much worthless to get this vaccine. So there's not much vaccine available, so they're limiting it to patients who have had close contact with someone with monkeypox, are at high risk of occupational exposure to monkeypox, have exposure to monkeypox virus as part of a case investigation and contact tracing activities, have had contact with the skin or uh, lesions or bodily fluids from a patient with monkeypox or any kind of contaminated materials, or if you've been in attendance at an event that has been linked to a known transmission of monkeypox, or if you are likely to have prolonged intimate contact uh, that would put you at a higher risk of, of having been exposed to this virus. So those are the cases in which you are eligible to receive this very limited supply of vaccine. It's, it's amazing how fast it's spreading. The U.S. has more cases than any nation in the world right now. And it, it, just in a few months, we've gone from hundreds to thousands. But I've been surprised that the increase in Ohio. It's still not a big number, especially when you compare it to COVID, but the fact that it's jumping up and the health department, Cleveland's health department really isn't explaining to us how these people got it. You know, wouldn't you love to know 
the contact tracing and, and how this happened? Did, was it through meetings at a bar or a church or was it more from intimate contact? I think they might be able to, to put some fears at rest if they would explain how this is spreading. But it seems like we're going to be chronicling numbers of another another pandemic. It's today in Ohio. Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost is going after another business for fleecing customers. Consumer protection is one of the chief roles of the Attorney General. Lisa, what's the company and what did it fail to deliver? The company is Cleveland Door Company, and they were named in a lawsuit filed by Dave Yost in uh, Cuyahoga County Common Pleas Court. This is all over customer refunds or the lack thereof. Um, There were 33 complaints filed against Cleveland Door Company between April 2021 and January of 2022. Uh, They collected about $182,000 from customers for services that were never performed or rendered. Um, And it turns out that this place doesn't even have a retail location. It just has a storage warehouse on Detroit Avenue in Lakewood. So three of the defendants named in the suit, uh, Matthew Petroff, Thomas Denardi and Joshua Robinson. Two of them, Petroff and Robinson, are going to be arraigned on theft charges later this month, but it's unknown whether this is related to this lawsuit filed by Yoast. Um, and Yoast says that this will serve as a warning to sketchy contractors, and his quote was kind of cute. We'll come down on them harder than a garage door with a busted spring. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, this is a small potatoes kind of case, but anybody that's ever dealt with a contract that didn't fulfill their duties knows how frustrating it is. And if this company really was just taking money with no intention of installing the doors, you can imagine how upsetting that was for the people that invested their money. So salute Dave Yost for trying to make it right. It is part of his job and he seems to relish it, especially as you said, with his cute quotes. It's today in Ohio. Okay, so will they be talking about Deshaun Watson, do we think? What industry convention is coming to Cleveland in a year when the industry is the talk of the town? Courtney. I cannot believe this timing. The American Massage Therapy Association is going to be holding its its big convention of the year in downtown Cleveland starting August 25th, and this comes as... All the Deshaun Watson stuff is for, is swirling in this city. We're waiting for the NFL. We're for the final discipline and penalties to come down of, of how many games he's going to miss. And you know, in in his story, Joey Marona noted that that decision could come down depending on the timing when the massage therapists are in town for this convention. So we'll have to see um, how they react if this comes up as a topic of discussion and. Just kind you, of chew on the irony of the time. That this here. would be an actual title of one of the, the seminar meetings, that, that there would be a session to talk about dealing with people who create these kinds of situations. Lisa, you pointed out yesterday, this is for licensed massage therapists, and many mm-hmm. of the therapists that Deshaun Watson saw were not. But it's still, an, it, it's, it, from all the reporting we've done, we've t- you know, uh, John Tucker did a bunch of stuff on this. This is a problem, right? Yeah, and and the AMTA, the organization that's hosting this convention, even came out with a statement specifically about the the decision we got, what was it, last week, a week before. You know, they said in their statement, it's disappointing to see such a relatively light punishment from the NFL levy toward Watson. And, and, and they said they strongly believe any client who steps over the line 
and and gets into inappropriate touching should face legal consequences. As we noted in John's story from a few weeks ago, I mean, it sounds like massage therapists do have to deal with creeps. And um, I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if there's some part of their training that addresses there is. how to deal with They are required to walk away if they are a licensed therapist. They are required to end the session if stuff like that happens. And maybe. That's, yeah, that's fair. It's, but when you're in the midst of a sexual assault, sometimes your brain isn't firing on all cylinders. And you so can So maybe they'll have a session how to deal with creeps. We'll see. We'll head over there if we can get in. It's today in Ohio. Lately, you've been watching the clock, hoping I wouldn't get to this one. No such luck. <laughs> I didn't think you could have a ballpark hot dog without mustard, but the Cleveland Guardians have sent mustard packing where to and why. I, uh, oh I, I've already caught flack for this story being on our front page today. And it's like, give it a rest, people. Lighten up, Francis. We put a delight on the front page today so that people would have a smile. What's it about? So the Cleveland Guardians sent the hot dog mascot mustard down to the miners amid a very disappointing season. In a, in a statement Monday, the team said that mustard will report to the Lake County captains to try and get his mental and physical game back <laughs> to MLB caliber level. He's expected to participate in his first race during a game against the Fort Wayne tin caps at at Classic Park in Eastlake on Tuesday. He's he's been pretty cool about the demotion. On Twitter he said, "It's not how you start, it's how you finish." And he's asking his fans to come support him at at the captain's game. He has lost every single Sugardale hot dog race at Progressive Field this year. Ketchup and Onion have won each 25 races though ketchup is notorious for cheating. <laughs> Can I just take a second to tell us ketchup story? Sure. <laughs> I, <go ahead. laughs> I about, um, you know, he is such a jerk. Okay. In the summer of 2008, I was at the ball field for a game with my then boyfriend, now husband, Marty, and ketchup was walking past us in the stands. So I stopped him for a photo just as others were obviously doing. And just as I had handed my camera off to someone to snap the photo for us, um, I was like, oh, hey, can we get a picture? Ketchup got right up in my face and yelled, what if I don't want a photo with you? And we took that wow. photo. <laughs> I know. And we took the picture and we went on our way. And I always wondered if like, what the hell was that? You know, like he was like, right. And Marty was like, you know, I think he was just in character. You know, I think that's how ketchup is. But that's not what ketchup is. Ketchup is supposed to just be this like fun, like, you know, falling down on the sidelines, <laughs> running the race and cheating in the race. He's not supposed to be yelling at fans. And I never rooted for him again. And he's been <laughs> dead to me ever since. And I am so sorry it's mustard that's been sent down to the miners. Right. And everyone knows mustard is the only acceptable condiment on a hot dog. <laughs> Who puts ketchup on a hot dog? Come on. So mustard, I'm sorry. And ketchup, you're done. So okay. All right. I'm glad I put this one on the list. It's today in Ohio. That's it for a Tuesday. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you, Layla. Thanks to everybody who listens. We'll be back tomorrow.